the markets. We just can't get enough of them. Markets are the drivers of your wealth and investment strategy. Welcome to Magic Markets with your co-hosts, the Finance Coast and Mohamed Nala. Together, we have more than 25 years of combined experience in the markets. For those looking to take their market and business knowledge to the next level, we offer Magic Markets Premium, a research reports and podcast library that nearly has 100 reports in it and a new one every week, all available for just 99 Rand a month. Recent reports have included the likes of Kroger, Deer & Co, Foot Locker, McDonald's, UPS, Apple, Meta, Johnson & Johnson & Swatch. With broad variety and deep research, this is perfect for anyone looking to go to the next level. We invite you to join us in Magic Markets Premium. Go to magic-markets.com to subscribe. This episode of Magic Markets is brought to you by B2IT. Have you heard of Robotic Process Automation or RPA? It taps into the incredible potential of artificial intelligence to effortlessly handle those never-ending, monotonous tasks. Or as B2IT put it, they make robots so people don't have to be robots. Visit b2it.co.za to kickstart your business automation journey. We thank B2IT for their support of Magic Markets. Welcome to episode 159 of Magic Markets, brought to you by our sponsor, B2IT. And that means that we can do some really fun stuff and dig into two different stocks every week and bring you the latest on their results and whatever we think is interesting. And Mo, this week we are doing, drumroll please, ugly shoes, aren't we? Brilliant. I love it. I loved it, right? Because it's the ugly shoe show. <laughs> and again, maybe maybe our listeners, I would be so curious to know if we had them live, I'd be like, what springs to mind when you think of ugly shoes? Uh, I'm going to be looking at the the quintessential ugly shoe Crocs, you know, shoes that everyone loves to hate. Uh, Ghost, you're looking at Birkenstocks, the other ugly shoe. Yeah, mine's going to upset people. Mine's going to upset people because I can guarantee someone listening to this is probably wearing Birkenstocks and very proud of them. But like the facts are the facts, you know, if you look like you're wearing a wine cork on your foot, it's just, it might be comfortable, but it's not pretty. And I guess that's really why we're having the show, right? Is that both Birkenstock as well as Crocs have their dedicated following. Some people love Crocs, some people love Birkenstocks. And again, maybe we see that come through in the numbers, but Ghost, I'm going to jump in because I know Birkenstock call themselves the original ugly shoe, but I'm going to say the original ugly shoe for me are Crocs. Now, Let's rewind a little bit. Crocs, that's a company, a stock that we covered in Magic Markets Premium back in December 2022. And we actually called the show, the report, Ugly Shoes, Pretty Profits, right? I love that. So some consistency coming through there. But by way of just some reference, back then, the share was trading around $95 a share. And it was showing some strong upward momentum. We had actually indicated that we, we thought that momentum was sustained. And we had highlighted $117 as our initial targeted resistance level. That was our R1, if you go and have a look at the technical chart. Uh, and for those of you that aren't subscribers, uh, Crocs is actually our free, it's, it's in front of the paywall. We've put it out there as an example of the types of reports you get in Magic Markets Premium. So it might be a little bit dated, but go and have a look at that. Uh, and you can actually get a flavor for what we had discussed back then. Now, how did the stock perform? Uh, It did pause around $120, just slightly above the target level. But then it went on and actually extended all the way up to $150 a share, which was actually around our second resistance level. And this was back in May 2023. 
where do we find ourselves right now? Well, you know, it hasn't been smooth sailing since then, maybe more of an emphasis on ugly. And we find ourselves back to around $100 a share. It's, it's, it's kind of in line with the 200-week moving average around $90. So back to that long-term support level that you've got to watch quite closely. And when you look at a company like Crocs, Again, it, it falls squarely into consumer discretionary purchases. So again, you'd expect to see any concerns around consumer spend, headwinds coming through there. Back in the original report, though, Ghost, we had highlighted a, a brand called Hey Dudes. And I remember this was something that wasn't familiar to me at the time, but Hey Dudes was a brand that was acquired by Crocs. And again, if you look at ugly shoes, these are just like ugly dad shoes, if you want to call it that. And the reason we had highlighted it is that this was a new risk that had come through in terms of the business. We were concerned around margin dilution from Hey Dudes, which was lower margin than the quintessential Crocs brand. But a couple of things that were going well in our bull box back then was the company was doing digital really well. It was around 37% of its sales. They had these quirky uh, charms on the Crocs that they called gibbets, and those were doing quite well. And again, highlighted this, this iconic nature of a brand like Crocs where you either love it or hate it. Some of the bare points were brand association. I mean, the company had an association with Balenciaga and you know, that hasn't worked out as well. They also cited supply chain risks. So I'm not going to go into all of that right now. My next point, I'm going to get into some of the numbers and just some of the recent financial performance on Crocs. But as I've indicated on the share price, we saw it all the way up around 150. And if you had got in at those extended levels, there's been a lot of pain that's come through. Birkenstock can technically trace its history all the way back to 1774, Mo, which I think is a time before Gibbets. And uh, they claim to be deeply rooted in the biomechanics of the human foot. Now, that's terribly important because they've got to convince you that this stuff is comfortable. They also talk about shoes ranging from entry level to luxury price points. And again, as we've said in the show, you know, they are not the prettiest, but what do we know about fashion? Let's be honest. When I walk past the stores in the local malls, there are always people inside them. I will say that much about Birkenstock because I look specifically to see who these people are buying these shoes. And since October 2023, it's no longer a matter of debate whether the company is, is actually doing well. It's now a matter of public record because the company IPO'd on October the 11th, 2023. Now, a pretty reputable report I found online claims it was the sixth worst of 95 IPOs that raised over a billion dollars in the past decade. The IPO price was $46 a share and within days it was down at $35.80 at a low point. That led to a lot of criticism around it being a failure but then the Santa rally kicked in and it got all the way up to $52 at the highest point. So that's nicely ahead of the IPO price. And now the share is back down at like $48. So it's been a bit of a roller coaster, very typical of an IPO. But it's not just because it's an IPO. It's also because the valuation is absolutely bonkers. So we always say this when we do look at IPOs and certainly when I write about them. You've got to remember that an IPO is a process whereby the founders and the strategic shareholders have come to market to bring new investors on board. Now, guess what? They're not going to do that at a bargain price. They're not going to dilute at a terrible price. They're going to try and maximize it. They want to create a market for the shares at a great price. And that is why IPOs are dangerous because they are trying to offload the stock onto you. Now, the IPO price suggested a spectacular price to sales ratio, and I'll get into that later, but put it way out of range with its competitors. And believe me, they use every PR trick you can think of as a management team to justify it. So, for example, in the latest earnings transcript, they talk about being a footbed business. How's that for a nice spin? And they say that it's not easy to compare Birkenstock to any other listed company. 
And that is classic overhyped stock narrative. It's like, we are different. You know, you can't compare us to Nike because, you know, we make footbeds, not shoes. I also enjoyed their statistic of how 90% of buyers come to them through unpaid channels. How on earth do they measure that? And what is a store in a mall? Is that an unpaid channel? Is the rent free? So, you know, when you're trying to defend a massive valuation, this is the kind of nonsense that you actually have to put out into the market. You have to be so creative that you try and convince people that you are worth what you say you are. And I'm going to dig into the numbers as my next point as well. And you'll see that it is actually a great business. It is just, to use your term, Mo, nosebleed expensive. Nosebleed, but at least your feet won't bleed, right? I mean, it is rooted in what was that? Like, I, I don't even remember some of that, that that sales talk. It just went way over, way over my head. Ghost, I'm, I'm going to get into the numbers on Crocs here because, you know, that's something I can still relate to. And again, Crocs has not had a bad year. You know, if you have a look at the recent guidance issued by the company, you know, and, and we're waiting for results. The results will be out in, in just less than, than a month, probably around three weeks from where we are when the show will be released. But the company is expecting record revenues of just shy of $4 billion. And this would be a year-on-year increase of around 11%. That's not bad if you're selling ugly shoes out there. Now, again, the growth is attributed to what they expect to have been a successful holiday season uh, and also market share gains for both the iconic Crocs brand as well as Hey Dude. So maybe some of our concerns around Hey Dude, you know, it was both on does the brand resonate as well as on margin. In terms of the brand resonating, the company saying they're expecting market share gains there. And, you know, that sets you up for a fairly bullish expectation around the fourth quarter results. Now, it is expected to surpass the initial guidance issued by the company. You know, they had originally expected around 10% growth. But the interesting thing here is if we look ahead for 2024, the guidance thereafter is a lot more muted. The company is expecting revenue growth of between 3 and 5% compared to 2023. And, you know, this also includes around 4 to 6% of growth in the Crocs brand specifically. And then, wait for it, flat to slightly positive growth for Hey Dudes. So, again, the company dialing back expectations on the Hey Dudes brand. Uh, also, in terms of gross margin, you know, that was a point that we had touched on in our original report. And the company expects projected growth for the Crocs brand of around 4 to 6% and just flat to slightly positive growth for Hey Dude. So the company definitely dialing back expectations on the Hey Dude brand. Now, investors are going to be watching these upcoming earnings quite closely because earnings per share, uh, those might actually be a decrease on a quarter-on-quarter basis, even though it might be an increase on a year-on-year basis. But again, I think a fair amount of optimism being priced in. Uh, then just quickly circling all the way back to the margin point that I indicated up front, you know, Crocs, that operates at around a 62% gross margin. Hey Dude's down at around 47%. So you've got to have to actually watch that price volume mix. And again, you know, we certainly had some concerns around that. If you superimpose on that a fairly muted outlook in growth for the 2024 year for Hey Dude's, as well as the lower margins, it might help your price volume mix. But in aggregate, it might actually just dampen the performance of the company with a lot of optimism currently priced in. So let me get to the good stuff around Birkenstock because there is some good stuff, to be honest, even without the nonsense, which actually makes the nonsense even more irritating. So over the past decade, revenue compound annual growth rate, 20% over a decade. That's very good. Gross margin over 60%. Very good. EBITDA margin over 30%. Also very good. They continued the 20% revenue growth trend in fiscal 2023. And the fourth quarter was 22% growth. So there are more and more ugly shoes everywhere you look. 
Unit growth, 6%. Average selling price up by 14%. So what does that mean? Pricing power. And not just pricing power, but they've actually managed to steer customers towards higher priced products. So there's a mix effect here in the average selling price per unit. And they are doing that really well. They're almost becoming more of a luxury brand, which is quite incredible. The celebrities wear this stuff and they're proud of it. There was also a channel effect with a favorable mix towards direct-to-consumer, which is 14% of sales. Some hints of the Nike strategy in here, right? As they talk about steering their inventory to capture more direct-to-consumer demand in the Americas and to be very, very selective on wholesale, to not expand the number of locations where you can find Birkenstocks. This is the Nike playbook, literally. So they also have things like specific initiatives. This is an exception of where they are actually growing where you can find Birkenstocks. The specific initiative they explain is this concept of Birkenstocks as recovery footwear in an active lifestyle. They are really pushing that angle. Now, if you look in Europe, the distribution strategy there has its own nuances. So France, Scandinavia, those have been back under the control of Birkenstock at corporate level since 2022. They've closed a number of legacy stores in Europe. They've invested in membership and analytics capabilities. What does that sound like to you? Once again, Nike, right? And they describe Asia and the rest of the world as APMA, which is an unusual acronym, A-P-M-A. You don't see that very often. That's the fastest part of the group. And they are underpenetrated countries that offer serious opportunities there, like China, India. They are growing very quickly on the direct-to-consumer side in those markets. But they believe it is not at the expense of wholesale. It's not at the expense of B2B. It's actually incremental. In fact, there's a fantastic stat. I don't have it exactly offhand, but they talk about the number of Birkenstocks that the average customer already owns. Again, heaven only knows how they have this data. But the average customer has like three pairs of these things and then goes and buys another one. I suppose once all your friends have left you because you have Birkenstocks, you may as well double, triple, and quadruple down and just own all the Birkenstocks. It's the only thing I can think of, really. Now, on the whole, this higher D2C penetration does very good things for gross margins, up 140 basis points in the fourth quarter. And the problem with direct-to-consumer, because everything in life is a balance, is it brings you more costs further down the income statement. So you get more gross margin, yes, but now you also have to service the customer yourself, either online or through a store. And EBITDA margin is down 260 basis points year on year because of inflationary headwinds and cost growth in selling and distribution expenses. But it sounds like it's a relatively temporary thing, as I'll discuss in the guidance later on. The final point I want to make just on the numbers, they've done a really good job on the inventory side. Inventory up only 11%. And remember, sales was up 22% this quarter. So they've actually become a lot more efficient. And what has this done? It's obviously unlocked working capital. And that means cash from operating activities has jumped by 53%. So long story short, for all the cheekiness around what the shoes look like, is this a great business? Yes, it just is. End of story. I mean, that, that's fantastic because, again, it ties into ugly shoes, but maybe not so ugly profits come through on, on Birkenstock. I mean, that was the, the thesis on, on Crocs as well. And in fact, I was having a look at the chart just now. I said... What has Birkenstock actually done since launch? It's actually up uh, around 28% there and thereabouts. Over the same time period, Crocs is actually up only 22%. So Birkenstocks may be trumping Crocs there as the original or the OG in terms of ugly shoes. Uh, I'm going to jump into valuation as kind of the last point for Crocs here. And you know, just having a look at that ghost, you know, it's currently trading on a forward PE of around eight and a half times. So that doesn't seem like a very demanding valuation. Uh, and in fact, it, it's actually at a bit of a discount to the, the industry average PE that comes through in maybe the low teens there and thereabouts. But 
What's also interesting here is that we've spoken about the growth story. We've spoken about uh, Hey Dudes as a potential growth element that's come through there. And if you have a look at the PEG ratio, so that's looking at the PE relative to the expected growth, that comes through at just a north of, of 1.5%. So if you have a look at that, you know, it's not cheap. You are paying up a little bit for the growth story there. But again, just be sensitive to the fact that that price is in some growth just in terms of the metric itself. If the growth disappoints, all of a sudden that ratio is going to move significantly higher. Maybe the stock doesn't look as attractive there. Uh, then you mentioned a price to sales ratio. When you look at, at Crocs, that comes through at below two times. So it's not certainly in the very uh, bullish, very high optimistic spaces that we're seeing with some of the other stocks that operate in this very niche, let's call it uh, fashion and retail space. But, you know, it, it, it's at around 1.8%. Uh, if we have a look at dividends, no dividends on Crocs. And I, I know that's something that a lot of our listeners focus on. Uh, lastly, I just want to have a look at share price performance. And let's maybe be cheeky here. Let's just look at the last year. It's actually been ugly. I've indicated how the stock has traded significantly below the highs that we had seen. Uh, let's contextualize that for you because over the last year, down 18%. So just that shows you the extent of losses you can actually take if you chase a rally, if you actually just get in at the wrong place of the cycle. Great company, decent performance coming through. Choose the wrong point. And this is just an arbitrary what it's done over the last year, down 18%. Over five years, well, that actually looks decent. That's up 250%. And decent's maybe an understatement there. But again, the swings have been large. The peak was in November 2021. And if we use that, that was around $181 a share. It actually peaked there. Uh, didn't necessarily close their intraday peak coming through there. But we are a long way below those peak levels right now. Uh, does the stock actually find support around that 200-week moving average that we look at? Again, the jury is out. We're three weeks then thereabouts away from the next set of financial results. And thereafter, I would say that's important. But the outlook is really what I'm going to be looking at in terms of informing the direction on a stock like Crocs. Because can they sustain the growth that they had had over the course of the last year or two years? There's still a question mark out on that one for me, Ghost. Yeah, there is. And the problem is, you know, during the pandemic, you could get away with buying Crocs because you didn't see anyone for basically a year. It's a bit different now. So it's quite interesting to see how these things play out, uh, you know, as the world changes, I suppose. On that note, let me get to the guidance now on Birkenstock. So... The first point here is they are giving annual guidance rather than quarterly. That is probably the right way to manage the business. But of course, the American investment audience won't love that because they just want more, more, more all the time and preferably quarterly. So it's annual guidance that we're dealing with here. And revenue growth guidance is 17 to 18%. It's quite a bit down from 22% in the fourth quarter. So they say they are being conservative. But then in the same breath, they talk about high pricing power customers responding to pressures, wait for this, by being more intentional and seeking out higher value purchases. So analysts said to them, hey, people don't have money. And they were like, yeah, but that's fine because it makes them want our stuff more. Yeah, I don't really get it either. But, you know, the numbers look good, but the guidance looks down. So I don't understand it. They really are trying to push this luxury theme. Adjusted EBITDA margin, they expect that to be 30%. There are ramp-up costs in 2024. There's an initial underabsorption of overheads because they're investing in capacity. So they say that the next year for EBITDA is going to be a bit rocky. It's still really strong. It's just not where it should be. And then they say that the following year, a lot of that benefit should be coming through. And if they are investing in capacity, then that does make sense. So perhaps a near-term headwind for the share price because we know that the market doesn't actually read properly. So that is potentially a reason why the share price might come off. 
And now we get to the valuation, which I flagged earlier as being a little bit ridiculous. So at the end of the day, Birkenstock, very good business, clearly. But price to sales, 5.5x. Nike is at three. Nike. So clearly Birkenstock is growing, but the risks from an investment perspective are clear here. Let's assume that they deliver the revenue growth they say they will do next year, but the price sales unwinds from 5.5 to 5x. Your share price returns 7%. Should have bought the index. If it unwinds to 4.5x, you're down nearly 4%. At that point in time, you should have done anything, really. This is growth stock investing of the most aggressive kind. And of course, we know IPOs are dangerous. So I struggle to see how it outperforms from here. I would say watch out for pullbacks. And I think Mo will cover Birkenstock in future in Magic Markets Premium. I think given a bit more time in the market to sort of find itself for more results to come through, it's clearly a really interesting business. They do some fantastic things, but uh, that IPO price is a little bit nuts and volatility is the name of the game here. Yeah, indeed. I mean, if, if we look at that price to sales ratio versus Crocs, where it indicated, you know, just below two times, it just shows you how it, even ugly shoes can be completely disconnected from, from reality in some sense. And so on a relative valuation basis, I mean, Ghost, it's, it's almost as though you'd, you'd have to default to Crocs. Maybe it's not a, a fair comparison, uh, notwithstanding all of the risk flags. So we're not saying go out there, hey, Crocs is a great buy. I just think on a relative valuation basis, we need to see more numbers come out of Birkenstock. I agree. We probably should cover it in Magic Markets premium once we've got a lot more data coming through there. But for me right now, it's probably a sector that I'm going to be steering away from just because on a macro level, it's consumer discretionary. Uh, I'm starting to tilt a lot more defensive just on a macro perspective. And you know, quite simply, if you have a look at return, risk return metrics that are out there, they're probably more exciting places to go and put your money. I, I don't know what you think about that, Ghost. Yeah, I think so. Just for both of these, I don't know. I just struggle when the product is just not something that I obviously like. I mean, we did uh, SLO Luxottica now in premium this week. And you know, they own Ray-Ban, so I get it. You know, I look at it, I'm like, okay, I understand the product. I understand Oakley. I understand some of this stuff. It is a little bit harder when it's products that, you know, have that element of, is it a fad? You know, are celebrities just rearing it now and it's cool and then it stops being cool? Or like in Crocs, you know, was it a pandemic winner? Long term, mm, not so sure. You know, it is, it is that much harder. It's not really buy and forget stuff. Whereas Nike, which I also don't own because the valuation is also daft, I can absolutely believe that in 10 years time, Nike is still going to be there and I'm still going to want Nike shoes. So, you know, you've got to be careful buying the shares of companies that make things you want to own. That can be a very slippery slope. But also if it's buy and forget, I think you have to kind of like the product. Yeah, I mean, I own a, I own a pair of Nikes. Uh, I don't own a pair of Crocs, thankfully. And I tested my kids just as one data point, right? We went into a store, a Croc store, and I showed them some Hey Dudes. And I said, hey, you know, what do you think about dad wearing some of these? And it was an unequivocal no on both my 10-year-old and my six-year-old. They're like, no, dad. Those are terrible. They're grandpa shoes. Oh, no. So I, I think that's a valid point, Ghost, maybe as, as a single data point. But what, what do you think as our listeners? Go and check out Hey Dudes. Go and check out Crocs. Go and check out Birkenstocks. Maybe you love it. Let us know on social media. It's at Magic Markets Pod, one word. It's at Finance Ghost and at Mohammed Nala, all on X, or pop us a note on LinkedIn. We hope you've enjoyed the show. If you're not a Magic Markets Premium subscriber, go and check out the Crocs show because it's outside as a free archived report. Go and see the type of work we're doing in there. We think it's well worth the 99 Rand a month. Uh, and until next week, same time, same place. Thanks and cheers. Ciao. We thank our sponsor, B2IT, for making this show possible. B2IT is all about making life easier, one robot at a time. If you hate it, automate it. Visit b2it.co.za to kickstart your business automation journey.
This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not financial or investment advice. Please speak to your personal financial advisor.